hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. introduce yet another bonus episode. So I don't know about y'all, but I am a huge, huge RuPaul's Drag Race fan and drag culture in general is something that I absolutely adore. I always say that if I was born a man, I truly would have been not only a gay man, but a cross-dressing drag, drag queen, honestly. So I decided to release this bonus episode featuring my friend, Nikki. Nikki and I met at DragCon last year. Nikki is the youngest guest I've ever had. And Nikki talks about um, all sorts of wonderful things, but basically this episode is in honor of drag and how much I love it. But also congratulations to Shay Coulee for winning All-Stars Baby. That was just such an incredible season. And I'm sorry for my listeners if if that spoils for you, you know, this All-Stars, you know, season, but come on. Shay Coulee came to Soleil. Dang, it was just such a good season. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and yeah, thank you. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's so warm right now, and I'm sweating a lot. Oh my god, it's like a hundred degrees where I am. <laughs> I know. Well, to my listeners, this is "Please Don't Kick Me Out," a podcast about imposter syndrome, and the lovely voice you're hearing on the other end is Nikki Cardenas. Hi. <laughs> so, Nikki, why don't you give your elevator pitch, your 30,000-foot overview um, of who you are and uh, what you're up to? Oh, my God. I don't even know where to start. Okay. <laughs> I guess what, to help pertain to what this was talked about the most, I am a drag queen, and I'm also a licensed makeup artist, and I'm in the middle, in the process, I should say, of getting my cosmetology license. And I've been doing drag for almost two years, two years in August, I think, or July. Yeah. So um, that kind of lends into how we met each other. So actually, I met Nikki at the 2019 RuPaul's Drag Con. We were in line for a grilled cheese, and they happened to be um, you happened to be in front of me with your friend, who was really lovely as well. And um, I, I, my, my friend was kind of having a freak out, so she didn't want to stand in line, and, but, um, cause it was just, the convention was very overwhelming for her, but you were so excited about drag and we were kind of sharing and how exciting, like the, the, um, the convention was and how much fun it was. And, uh, we followed each other on Instagram and I've just kept in touch and then I watched your drag journey. So I'm very excited to have you on the podcast today, um, because, um, you, I, Fun fact, you are going to be the youngest person I've interviewed so far. Oh my God. Um, Do I get an award? I think so, yeah. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Make like, it a crown. Boop, <laughs> like youngest. But also, I think for for your age, you're very much wise in your, in your years. And I think your story Thank has you. a lot of power. Um, and I'm really excited for what's next for you. 
Thanks. That actually means a lot. Like when people tell me that I get a lot like at work and, and at school too, like people always say like, you just like, I hate, I hate talking about myself. Oh my God. But like people tell me a lot, like there's a lot of stuff that I have to say for someone as young as I am. Yeah. And I've never viewed you as your age. Um, I think it's really, I, I'm, I try not to be ageist unless someone's like really, really just being ignorant. But yeah. I, but you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom we can gain from people uh, at whatever age. Um, for me, uh, by the time this releases, I will be 31. <laughs> um, but uh, I also, you know, I think, I think I was probably a pretty cool person in my twenties. <laughs> <laughs> So um, let's start with the first question um, as it pertains to imposter syndrome. I find that imposter syndrome and um, success as well as failures and all of that, they really kind of tie into one another. So we'll start with the first question, which is, do you feel like you have it all figured out? Not, I don't want to say not even close because I know what I, like, I know where I want to get to. Like, I know what my destination is. I know, okay, in, like, this amount of time, I'm going to be here and I'm going to be doing these things. But it's a matter of not only figuring out how to get there, but also, like, staying sane while doing it. Because mm-hmm. growing up, I had such a clear picture of everything. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, wait, it's not at all what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, I will say, like, I think for me, uh, at, at at your age, not to go back to the age thing, but I didn't know. I was in college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was in a sorority, which is laughable now thinking back on really? it. Yeah. Could you picture that? No, I'm watching Scream Queens on Hulu right now. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, uh, so for me, like, I, I, I remember like being, you know, 19 and 20 and thinking, oh yeah, like I really want to, uh, you know, I want to do this and that. And now I'm 31 and I'm talking into a microphone. Like, did I ever think I would get here? No. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's exactly how it is. Yeah, I will say there's a lot of power in looking ahead and kind of uh, finding your destiny or, like, at least knowing what you want. There's a lot of power in manifesting. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's, like, a really good perspective to have, no matter your age, no matter what you want to do in life. And I think it's really great to set obtainable goals at the same time, too. Yeah, I'm a really big believer in like whatever you put out comes back to you and like Mm -hmm. manifestation and things like that so like even with the lockdown I'm just like we're gonna get there we're gonna do something like this is gonna happen and right yeah and I've always said I've said this time and time again at this point it's like beating a dead horse I say it at least once or twice an episode but if we're not coming out of quarantine better than we went into it then we've done it wrong (laughs) you have to have come out more creative more empathetic more human more kind more loving and if you didn't and you came out a piece of literal garbage like you went in you're not my family sis (laughs) yeah I don't I'm really hoping this does create a weird sense of community Mm -hmm. throughout just everybody everywhere because this is something that literally everybody is experiencing and it's something that now every single person of every walk of life can like relate on. Yeah. And I agree with that there. And I also feel like everyone's going through it differently. So there's like no right or wrong way to get through this. But I think like the best thing we can do as people is to be open-minded, empathetic, kind, and then also like forgiving of ourselves. Because Mm -hmm. I think I see people being really hard on themselves. Like, you know, me, for example, it's like, okay, yeah, I got laid off. Like that sucked. And, but I got laid off and so did so many other people. So I need to be 
less hard on myself because I can't find a job right now or, you know, whatever, because no one else can. So it's like trying to shift your mindset of being more forgiving and like not really looking down on your failures as much. Uh So uh, let's move into imposter syndrome. So everyone has who, who, who suffers from it or identifies with imposter syndrome, um, they feel uh, usually that they don't fit in or whatever. But do you feel like you fit in or do, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways? And what does imposter syndrome mean to you? Oh my God, this is such like a loaded question. The, <laughs> literally the minute you Guns blazing. about this, and I was like, I have everything to say. I love it. Literally, it's my biggest thing with, I guess, let me start like with what it means to me. For me, it, it's a lot of, it stems a lot from self-doubt mm-hmm. and from just a lot of insecurity in whatever I'm doing or the way I'm feeling compared to whatever like circles I'm around or whatever is going on in my life at that time and the big like the biggest thing for me like obviously being a queer person like Mm -hmm. it's like oh you have like all these safe spaces and you have like the bars Mm -hmm. and nightclubs and like gsas and things like that but i feel like what a lot of people don't see or like don't understand is still how exclusionary a lot of those communities Mm -hmm. and so on top of like being pansexual I'm also non-binary and Mm -hmm. so going into like gay spaces of like nightclubs and things like that I'm still like I can be there and still not really be a part of those people that are there Mm -hmm. or like not really be taken seriously because it's like I'm just not some like heterosexual gay person I'm these other things that like should still be included in the community but I'm not and then I guess pertaining to more of like an artistic side it's just constantly like I don't I've gone through the schooling like I have my license I have my certifications but I don't know what I'm doing I'm gonna I'll have a client and I'll be like working on them and I'll be like okay she's gonna look at the mirror and she's gonna be like what are you doing this is not what I asked for and I'm just gonna be like I'm sorry I don't like I don't know you're like, actually, um, your hair is now a different color. (laughs) No, no, I totally identify with that. And as a straight ally, um, as a straight ally, um, I, I try to be as open-minded, as loving and empathetic as possible, because I've said this on my podcast quite a few times, but I'm not in particularly close to my family. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, you know, I married my husband, my husband is my family, but I have a lot of community and family with, um, the LGBTQIA plus uh, community, and I identify with them because a lot of them uh, came out and did not have support, yeah, and don't feel like they belong, and that's me to a T. Um, and so uh, when I hear from you, I mean, it makes it makes me sad to know that, like, yeah, like that that unfortunately, just like in heterosexuality, um, and being you know queer in some ways, there's a loneliness of feeling like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not gay enough, or I'm not queer enough, or I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not masculine enough or feminine enough for people that are um, not familiar with non-binary. And then pansexual, um, which is, I believe, you're uh, attracted to intelligence, right? Well, I, yes, but like, for lack of a better word with intelligence, it's more of just like the person, like, Mm -hmm. I hate saying the principal appearance, but like the genitalia attached to that person, like, doesn't matter to me. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. I pay a lot more attention to like, the way you make me feel and the way I feel about you when we're like yeah. together and so in terms of like being in those like queer spaces it's like because 
I'm not like just someone who's like only attracted to men or like sometimes I could be like with a girl at that time and it's just like Mm -hmm. oh like you're like that's not that's not what we're doing here like that's not it yeah and that's and I think I can't like I can empathize like a thousand percent that that's got to feel like really exclusionary and like I'm sorry but like LGBTQIA plus community let's get it together people shouldn't feel lonely yeah well it's just like to one of my my best friend she's bi and like we'll be talking and she'll be like when I'm in a relationship with a man I feel like I'm not allowed like in any queer space because I'm visually like in a heterosexual relationship and it's like Mm. that same thing and like bi erasure is a huge thing in the queer community of like people just pretending like we don't exist right just being like it's like gay lesbian and trans and like that's it and it's like Mm -hmm. no there's a whole groups of people that you guys should be intermingling with because we're all together right yeah I mean that makes a hundred percent sense and like again you know to 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 anyone to to my listeners um you know straight allies or whether you're in the queer community yourself um take a listen to what Nikki's saying and just kind of like do like a mental check here and are you being exclusionary are you being inclusive because we should be that that reaches to my heart (laughs) (laughs) oh you can always call me you know that day and night um okay so i think like we've touched on that as as a um, feeling imposter syndrome as as a queer person and then also feeling imposter syndrome as an artist um but what i'm really curious about for you is like um so for my listeners um nikki as an artist and as a uh, drag performer performer is um her brand is artistic. It is, uh, she's very into kind of the more gothic kind of styles and the dark styles um, coming from a cosplaying background. So do you feel like in the drag community you've been accepted or are you still feeling like you're trying to find your niche? I hate saying like trying to find my niche because it's one of those things where it's like, I know what I want to do and Mm -hmm. I know what I want to accomplish and like make and show off. It's more of like, finding that sense of community within not like the queer community but like specifically like drag community that Mm -hmm. I'm in because like Southern California like everyone knows like Southern California and LA drag it's like New York like they go back they go hand in hand together and it's like LA drag is very like Southern California LA drag is very LA it's very Hollywood like Mm -hmm. that's what everyone's going for and that's like I that's not me I relate to that I didn't like I didn't I didn't know who that Paris Hilton was re- like related to the Hilton hotels until maybe a couple of months ago. <laughs> and, like I, I didn't listen to Britney Spears until I was 16 or yeah. 17. Like I didn't grow up with any of that. Cause my, like I grew up more in like the eighties and nineties, like kind of things mm-hmm. for my mom. So not even like aesthetically and like the way I do my drag shows, like fits in with, the other performers but right. I don't even fit in from like a personality like interest based with most of them yeah so it's a lot of like less finding like what my niche is and more of like finding more people who I hate seeing understand it because I feel like you don't have to understand it to appreciate it but mm-hmm. who who can like see what I'm doing and be like this and this uh, like this and then with the other drag I'm seeing like they're the same they don't one's not better than the other yeah and I love that you're saying this and because um, 
Uh, I think that the common, most common misconception for those who are not like extremely well-versed in the drag community, like Nikki or myself, where like, I, I stand for queens. I love it all. I love the weird queens. I love the goth queens. I just love any form of drag. Doesn't matter. Drag king, drag queen. Love it. It's just, I live for that shit. I miss drag so much. Um, I, I am that annoying stan. But uh, I... I think there's a common misconception that Nikki's kind of hitting on here where drag is not just a one size fits all. Like it's not just RuPaul's drag race and that's it. Like there is so much craft and technique and there's so many different ways you can take your drag and drag is very similar to like, I'm going to use my Peloton as an example. I've got the, I have the Peloton mm-hmm. bike, but it's my bike and my ride. So think about it. Like it's your drag and your craft. So it should never matter, you know, what, what anyone else thinks, as long as you're doing what's authentic to you. So I encourage you to continue to do what you're doing because, um, eventually it's going to click. I, I, I just think it's, I, I, I just think what you're doing is really great. So that's why like, I'm a huge supporter of you. I plan when this all opens back up, I will drive the two hours to Ontario just to see you. I will, I will do it. Uh, I'll give you fives. You're going to be like, stop. (laughs) But no, I, I, I fully support what you're doing. And I think my background for me, like, and we were kind of talking about this before we we pressed record is that my background in drag was the Denver scene where it was where Denver was the club kids. So when back in the day, nineties party monster, that stuff, like Michael Alley, all of that, that was club kids. I have friends that used to go to raves like, and, you know, take a lot of ecstasy and, and like now they're in their forties and, um, you know, uh, I, I feel like the drag scene in Denver, while it's always been relatively small, you know, Evie Oddly's from there and she, uh-huh. and she really has kind of changed the flip the script. Or if we think about the most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race, Crystal Method. Oh, I mean, I, statement. Crystal Method can have my heart, soul, my entire livelihood. She deserves everything. Right. That look, that Bert and Ernie Muppet look, oh, loved my... it. Loved it. Oh, it just gave me chills. It was so good. Uh, literally, like, I was texting my friends, like, if she doesn't win this, like, there, I'm quitting. Like, I'm done. I'm like, there's no more drag race anymore. I mean, Spoiler alert. But we're seeing, and this we're seeing in this that the queens that are doing something different are making it further. And it used to be that you were pretty, you were a plastique tiara, and you made it all the way to the end. And now it's like like, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. When the season got released, everyone was like, Nikki Doll is like the new Aquaria. Like she's gonna go all the way. She's so pretty. And it's like she was was like what the second girl eliminated. I do think she was a little bit gypped, but it's like like comparing her to Crystal's drag, like mm-hmm. no one was really like on Crystal's side until like they got to know her and see her on screen. Whereas like people look at someone like Nikki Doll, yeah, who is literally a woman. For I la- will, like, for yeah. Better words. I will say like my biggest frustration with RuPaul's Drag Race is that you can tell like how they're editing it based on who's going to do well and who's going to go home. Like it's like so freaking yeah. obvious. It's a formula um, at this point. Right, right. And I mean, it's a bummer about like the whole Sherry Pie situation because I feel like she probably had some really great looks and we'll never get to see them. But also like you can't do what you did. Sorry, hon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but Britta filter like I thought so I picked six queens so I, I was in a I was in a fantasy draft I broke up with that friend. oh I think we talked about this okay so I chose from the season to my listeners I'm so sorry we're just gonna talk about drag race for five minutes <laughs> like give, if you don't like it switch the channel um but if you do like drag race this is who I chose 
so I chose a bit, uh, I chose a bench of six, uh, because we all have to. And I chose Nikki Dahl, Britta Filter, Jackie Cox, Widow Von Du, Gigi Good. I think that's everyone that I chose. And I watched the intro packages of all of them. And the ones that I was like, Ooh, not for me were like crystal method. I was like on the fence about choosing. Uh-huh. Um, because I was like, she reminds me of Evie oddly. And then she'll probably go really far. And then yeah. Heidi, Heidi in closet or Heidi Ho, I was like, she's not going to make it that far. Girl, yeah. those butterfly wings gave me life. Oh, my, and they shat on her look. It was so good. No, I'm, I do have issues with this season as far as the judging goes, but I'm loving what they're doing with like Heidi's storyline. Oh my gosh. She's going to be a meme forever. Love her. Um, I also, you know, I, I, I could tell Widow was going to go home when she went home. Mm-hmm. I could see her shut down. Um, and so now the only people I have left are Jackie and Gigi. And I, I'm seeing Gigi kind of fall from grace. I, it's really breaking my heart because yeah. I, I love, Gigi was my pick to win from the first episode just because I've known about her. Yeah. Oh, I had Jan too. Grace. Yeah. And so like Gigi, Jan, and Britta, I were like, they had like, they are, oh, and Jackie. I was like, mm-hmm. they have these like already backings. And normally the queens who have like the social media backing prior to Drag Race do well. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Gigi's going to win. And then literally that first episode, I still sing Gigi's verse in my head like today. <laughs> I, I, and I was so like, and then, her, and then her lip sync, like, I thought was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> and so I was like, she's winning. Like, she's winning every challenge. And then, yeah, to see her do this, I was like, Jada might win. Like, Jada can do this. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be between J- Jada and Gigi because I don't, I don't predict that Jackie's going to stick around that long, but Jackie has a really beautiful story. Jackie, yeah. um, although I'm confused, is she American? She's Canadian, but she's got a green card. I, I don't know. She, she tried to explain it. Oh my God. I just, I don't even know. Anyway, we'll move on from drag. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but, but I think like we've really hit on imposter syndrome in general and what it means to you. And I'm going to give you a little piece of sisterly advice is don't let anyone dim your sparkle. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not good enough because you are. And continue to tell yourself that you're worth it and that you're great at drag because you are. And you have more talent in your fingertip than many people dream of. Thank you. You're welcome. I just want you to know that. Okay. So as I mentioned, imposter syndrome and uh, imposter syndrome, having the feeling of figuring it all out, fitting in, that kind of thing, it's very deeply ingrained, but it also success and how we tie ourselves to success is also a huge part of imposter syndrome. So what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? For me? Well, when I was a kid, this is one of the, like, I was a weird kid. And so one of the things I always said, yeah, my mom's a musician and my dad is a painter. Mm -hmm. So like the minute I could hold a guitar and the minute I could hold a paintbrush, like they were like, you're doing these things. We're going to show you how. So I like, I just immediately was onto both of those things. And as a kid, I can remember saying like, anytime people were like, do you know what you want to be when you grow up? Do you know what you're going to do? I would uh, post like, I want to be a veterinarian because every kid wants to do that. Mm -hmm. I was always like, yeah, I was like, I don't care how much money I'm making. I don't care if I'm poor. I don't care if I'm living in a studio apartment for like $1,600. Like if I'm making art and or I'm doing what I love and I'm sustaining myself off of that, that is all I care about. Mm-hmm. And so for me personally, like that's 
what being successful is to me. If I can entirely support myself on my craft, like that's all I want. Well, that's a beautiful thing. And I, I, for my listeners, I mean, you might, you might not be, you know, 19 or 20 and have that figured out, but that is a really beautiful mantra. And I think more people should have it. And I think that's beautiful. Like to go off to, for me being laid off, like I, right now I'm doing something creative that I believe in. I'm telling people stories Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm so excited about it. And then, you know, my friends are like giving me job opportunities or they're bringing me job opportunities. And I'm just like, yeah, but like, that doesn't like get my heart pumping. That doesn't make me feel good. And, um, so I guess like for me right now, I feel like I've never been more content with who I am as a person. And I've never been more happy with kind of where my life is headed. Um, because I, it's, it's weird to say, but because I don't have control of anything right now, the one thing I do have control of is how I view myself. Um, and so in regards to success, I think that's really beautiful that you said that it wouldn't matter if you're poor, as long as you are doing art and doing something you believed in. And I feel very similarly, um, because I put my heart and soul into the things that I do. And it's sometimes Mm -hmm. a huge fault and flaw, but I think that, (laughs) but I think that that is what the key to happiness and success is, is just being content with what you're doing because you're speaking and living your truth. Yeah. And it's like, I feel the same way about like being in this state right now too, is right before the lockdown happened, been like a lot of shitty things happen Mm -hmm. and so I I was really off like just my entire life and like being here being in lockdown where it's like the only thing I can control is like what I can do personally and what I can do within the confines of my home has really like not only been put in perspective of like how I treat myself but also like what are the things I care about and what are the things like I want to change yes or like get back to too And, like, that was one of the things, like, we were talking earlier about how, like, I really haven't done anything drag-wise since October Mm -hmm. because of some of the things we talked about earlier about, like, not being, not feeling allowed in those spaces. And, like, being in lockdown for so long, those creative juices are starting to come back. And I'm, like, I'm listening to new music again, and that's giving me more ideas for, like, looks I want to make or numbers I want to do. And that's, like, something I want to, like, carry through when we can like go back to every like go back to like the clubs and stuff and be like I'm coming back like I'm gonna do this and like you can't tell me I can't exactly and I think like you're gonna have more time to sit with your confidence like because you're not like one I I would imagine that this time out <laughs> I'm gonna call it time out for the queens yeah. that are mean this time out I'm hoping has given some perspective to them that like maybe you need to be a nicer person and, you know, be a little more comforting to those that are trying to start out because we all started somewhere, but also like, just because your look, cause you, cause typically you won't do the padding, like what normal people would do. You, you, you're more non-binary with it and that's fine. Why does it matter? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like I, drag is not, you don't have to pass as a woman to be in drag. Drag is whatever you make it. Yeah. Like I hate the argument of like drag means dressing up as a girl because like technically yes that that is where it came from but I feel like it's like any art form it's evolved to this point where it's it's not anymore like I like for myself I don't say drag queen I say just like drag artist or like drag performer Mm -hmm. because like now it's past the point of looking like a queen or looking like a woman and it's like creating something or like making people feel a certain way with what you're doing even if it is performing like a top 40 number in like a dance costume you're still bringing joy and like making the people who are watching like excited and happy yeah 
and like that's like to me that's what it is it isn't dressing up like a girl and going to the clubs yeah and i apologize if i ever refer to you as drag queen uh, moving forward no, I'll that's use drag fine. Artist. like I, i'm not picky <laughs> it's just like people can call me she when i'm in drag like i don't really care yeah well i just love what you're doing and um i think you know keep doing what you're doing and as and just keep creating because i think like the more the more that you create the better you're gonna feel always you know yeah definitely like that time span where I wasn't doing it like I would be home and I'd be like what am I doing like I'm going to school and I'm going to work like that's it like I need and I got to a point because when I started school I was still doing drag and like I was so like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about like everything I was doing in school and all of this stuff and I was starting a new job and then when it got to that point where I was like I can't keep doing this anymore like it's like I feel like garbage doing it so the people I'm around I stopped enjoying like everything else in my life too like even though what I'm going to like being a makeup artist and like going through cosmetology school is like a creative thing mm-hmm. it's not as like creatively free as something like drag is and because right, I didn't right. have that I wasn't enjoying all the other things in my life yeah that makes a lot of sense and like kind of like how you were talking about eventually like you know, doing makeup on the side or, or creating your own side business and, and working in a salon and all of those things. I think they're really smart ideas for you to have room to make those decisions and those choices and create and, and, and be inspired. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I think like one thing that we have to learn uh, as, as humans and one thing that I, I still struggle with it. So don't think I'm some <laughs> saint. Uh, work-life balance is huge. So, um, you know, so it's, it's really hard. And like, my husband will tell you, he'll tell and my entire listeners, he'd be like, yeah, I burn the candle at both ends and it fries me. And I, some, my biggest fault is caring too much. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I've learned and what I strive to do in the last six months was really focus on work-life balance because, um, that is so important. It's, and what I mean by work-life balance, you know, for one person might be different than another, but for me, it was like, I have to have a space to be creative after work or a space where no one's bugging me. And it's just me and my husband or time for my friends. I can't like constantly be things. I have to do things for me. And it's like this level of self-care that you kind of have to learn to, uh, to find. Yeah. That was another reason why, like, the above the plethora of reasons why I took a hiatus from doing drag was when I I was in school three days a week for 10 hours Mm -hmm. and then I'd work the other four days and then after school I'd be outperforming and I wouldn't get home till 2 a.m and then have to wake up at 5 30 to go to school Mm -hmm. again or I'd like get off work and then I'd go perform like I was trying to do too much on top of also like in between performances making new outfits and styling new wigs like I I refused to give myself any downtime And so, like, all this free time now is a lot more like, oh, like, I can't have time to do all these things and be able to space them out and not have to feel rushed about it. Yeah, absolutely. That makes total sense. So I think, like, we've really touched on imposter syndrome and all of that. Now we get to the fun part where we talk about things that you're fanatical about and things that you're – unpopular opinions you may have. Um, So we'll start with fanatical. Uh, What is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Um, My current example, uh, I guess we'll stick in this uh, drag uh, way, and I'll say that I am super into We're Here on HBO right now. I just Um, started watching that. Episode two, I will have someone from that episode uh, on my podcast at some point. 
but oh, yes, exciting. yes, I'm excited. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you more about it offline, but I'm really like, I'm really loving that show. In addition to there's one on TLC that has like Thorgy Thor and, um, and I can't think of the other names off the top I know of my which head. One you're talking about. Magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. And both of them, I think are coming out at a very, very good time to mm-hmm. kind of show that drag is, more than you know more than just competitions and pageantry and that they're you know these are real people making differences in the world so that's what i'm fanatical about right now yeah no i love that i'm gonna go on a little tangent can i do that please yes okay like i love like shows like drag race and everything Mm -hmm. but because you mentioned like we're here and like i haven't seen dragon Smith, but we're here like I like that first episode like almost had me in tears Mm -hmm. is because I feel I feel like how you were saying like most people who are exposed to drag only know through drag race like have like they need to know there's this whole other thing that like drag is and I feel like also with the like the shows like we're here and stuff it's showing drag in a light that isn't just like Mm -hmm. clubs and partying and things like that and it is, like, a form of, like, expressing yourself and making people feel better, which is, like, one reason why, like, why I got into it. Like, I really am not, like, a huge club person. Mm-hmm. So, like, how you were saying, like, with those shows, like, coming out at a perfect time, I feel I, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they're really, um, it's it's giving a more human rounded out aspect because, like, as as lovely and campy and hilarious as RuPaul's Drag Race is, and I love it so much, um, I also feel like there's a lack of, um, sometimes there's a lack of like, it just, it just feels too campy and there's not yeah. like the human aspect. It's like, it's like they don't edit in enough like personal interaction, you know? Yeah. But anyways, talking about things we're fanatical about. Yes. My biggest number one thing I am, I live and breathe Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Love it. Like, I, like, so much so where I have, like, a tattoo, like, I have a Buffy the Vampire Slayer tattoo. I I love it. I've been watching it. I've been watching Buffy and Angel, like, simultaneously through the lockdown. I watch Buffy at least, like, whole series through at least twice a year. I love that. Um, do not hate me. I've never seen it. (gasps) Oh! I know. Now I have to get into it. Okay, give me, give me your elevator pitch on, I, I, on what I can expect, like. Okay, so like, you know, have you seen the movie Queen of the Damned, 90s vampire movie? Yes. Okay, so it's like that, mm, okay. and Lost Boys. Ooh, yes. With like, Scooby-Doo. Yes, I had such a crush on that character in Lost Boys with the one feather earring. Literally all of them. Every yes. single <laughs> one of them. <laughs> it was like, why is this doing, like, I was like really young. I was like, why is this doing something for me in a sexual way? Like, this is <laughs> crazy. To this day, when I see like a person in that cosplay, I'm like, I feel, it's, I feel weird. <laughs> it's so funny because like, I grew up on Scooby-Doo and Daphne was like my favorite. I was obsessed mm-hmm. with her. And my mom was always like, even like the live action movies and Sarah Michelle Gellar was Daphne. My mom was like, watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, Daphne is Buffy. You're going to love it. And I was like, I don't want to watch that. Like, no, that's like too girly for me. Obviously this was before, like I was really young. Mm -hmm. And then um, for some reason I picked it up when I was like 13 and I like went up to my mom and I was like, why have you never told me to watch this show? Like, I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And she was like, you're done. Like I've been telling you to. Yeah. 
That's, I mean, I think it's awesome. I just haven't, I guess like my thing is like, there's no time like the present and my husband, um, he's gone quite a bit, you know, here and there. And it's like, it's, it's harder because like, if, if we're going to watch, we have one television and if we're going to watch something, like we watch it usually together. Um, so, so there's a lot of stuff we watch separately. Like when he's out to see, he's got like a thumb drive of movies or whatever. He's super into watching movies. Uh, he watched the series Waco on Netflix by himself. Cause I wasn't like, I was like, <laughs> eh, not that into it. And, but, but even so, like, it's harder to convince sometimes one or the other to be like, I want to just sit and watch like just this show from start to yeah. finish. Um, so I, it's probably something I'll do when he leaves again. <laughs> But I have it on my list. I'll try. I'll try an episode out and see how I feel. But I, I everyone has been telling me to watch it for years. And I don't know why I haven't done it. The only disclaimer is like the first, the first season as a whole is rough. <laughs> the first because like it started off. Um, Joss Whedon pitched it to be like really like dark, and it was like a parody on like the Final Girls and horror movies. And Warner Brothers said no because it was like the '90s. And mm. people didn't make things like that. So it was like a, they turned it into like a comedy movie and it was awful. Yeah. Even as like a Bucknag, it's awful. And so when they, they like finally were going to produce the show, they were like, oh, this show is like, we know this show is going to do bad. So it's going to be like in the filler in between our big show seasons. Mm-hmm. So like, especially very much with season one, it's just really campy and really just like kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> because they didn't expect it to do so well. Well, I'm excited. So, uh, I, I mean, it's one of those things that's been on my list forever. So I will definitely start watching it. I'm probably gonna have a million questions. You're gonna be like, stop, te- stop texting I'm, me. I'm an encyclopedia. I will literally <laughs> like, I will sit on FaceTime with you and watch it. So whenever there, like when the bars open back up and all of that, and, and eventually like, you know, when, when everything resumes the new normal or whatever that might be, if there's ever a Buffy <laughs> the Vampire Slayer trivia, or there hasn't or has been, there needs to be, and Nikki needs to be team captain. Oh, 1,000%. I won't even have people on my team. Like, it's just, it's it's just you. Even, yeah, it's not <laughs> even just a TV show. Like, I read every single one of the comic books, like, whole nine yards. I love it. But I'm, like, when I like something, I'm, like, super fanatical about it. Like, if I'm, I, yeah. like... Like I, Guy Fieri, like it's a great example. Like I think he's a meme of a man. He's like hilarious. I have the Flavor Town cooler. I, I bought my husband a Flavor Town shirt. Both of those proceeds go to um, restaurant relief funds right now. I have a Guy Fieri signed frying pan. We stayed at his ho- his the hotel with his face on it for our wedding. I, ate at his restaurant the next day. So like I was him for Halloween two years ago. That was funny. Uh, but I don't have any of the costume pieces anymore. I kind of wish I did because I would totally. <laughs> be making like, tiktoks i'd be making tiktoks right now oh my god that would be iconic i think i threw it away being like i'll never do this again i'm almost 30 and now i'm like tiktok happened i would have like kept his shirt and like framed it <laughs> that's so funny yeah so i love that okay let's move on to unpopular opinions you have and why i always use the example that i think cantaloupe is trash but go for it okay i have two i'm gonna bring the first one i'm gonna bring up because you and i were texting about it when I eat graham crackers, I dip them in water before I eat them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where that happened. I don't know who taught me that because it's just something I've always, like, I, I was I probably a kid. Yeah, I was probably a kid and I was like, I'm going to dip this in here. 
and just like did it and I always get made fun of for it everyone is like you're disgusting like why are you doing that and I'm like it's the only way to eat graham crackers but the funniest thing was that I read this to my listeners I read this thing and I immediately texted you and I was like you do that too and when you texted me, you didn't tell me that it was you first, but because of that text, I was like, oh, this is Bianca. Like, I know who this is. <laughs> yeah, so um, I think that my mom did it or something. I, I feel like it was like someone showed me. Like, there was no way that I like put those two things together. Or maybe it was that like I used to dip it in milk and then I was like, oh, well, now I just have water. Well, we'll try that. Like, pfft. See, yeah, see, like, I didn't, like, there is literally no one in my family or anyone I've ever met that's done that, so I have no, I, like, my brain was just like, let's do this. But and I will, funny yeah. Is, yeah, what's funny is that in high school, in one of my classes, my friend group and I, in that class, we would always bring snacks, it was right before lunch, and one day I bought graham crackers, and I used to have this, it wasn't a hydro flask, but it was, like, the metal bottles, mm-hmm. but it had a really small opening for oh, water. No. And my girlfriend, she grabs it and she opens it and she's like, this is too small. And I go, what? And she goes, I'm not going to tell you. And I'll, I just look at her. I was like, do you dip your graham crackers in water? And she was like, you do too. And oh. for then we always have graham crackers in water. Well, I'm, I'm part of that. And I, w- I used to do it with like Teddy Grahams as well. Mm-hmm. Literally yep. any like thing from the graham cracker family. Anything from the graham cracker family. You got <laughs> mama graham cracker. You got daddy graham cracker. You got babies. <laughs> Teddy Grahams. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite were the aunt and uncle graham crackers yes those were really great <laughs> um and then I love your second one so let's hop into that one too I unashamedly like I will fight for this I think the late night like from 1997 through 2006 was one of the best times for fashion and okay. hair and makeup and, I, like, yeah. I, no you can, you can no, no 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 go for it go for it just keep okay. going I'll hop in later. <laughs> I know, well, like, I know right now everyone is, like, likes it ironically. And everyone's like, oh, Ashley Tisdale at, like, Disney Channel, like, red carpets, like, serving looks. I'm like, no, jeans under a skirt. Like, when I was a kid, like, I wanted that. I was like, I want, like, a skirt with jeans underneath and, like, high top converse. Like, that's what I wanted. And, like, my whole, like, backing for this is, is, like, the that was like a time when like the 90s were ending and everyone was like okay like we don't want to be sad anymore like being grunge isn't as cool anymore like like sadly but every but it was like that time where people were like as a as a whole group of people we don't want to be sad anymore we want to be dumb and like do all this fun stuff so no one like really cared what they looked like everyone was like I'm gonna wear this silver sequin top and this like (laughs) (laughs) lacy blue skirt and I'm gonna put on chrome eyeshadow and have my hair in little pom-poms because I think it's fun and I I just I just love that mindset so So much I yeah so um you know as as I'm 30 uh I lived through that and I was in middle school during that which middle school is trash garbage fire for anyone and it should just be abolished from the earth (laughs) um and I was obsessed with Lizzie McGuire, like obsessed. Yeah, like lived for that new episode coming out. Like when Disney Plus came out, I binged the shit out of it. I was obsessed with Xenon, Girl of the Century, or whatever her. Oh name my is. god! Yeah, I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed with uh, chrome eyeshadows because my mom wouldn't really let me wear makeup, but I would get uh, the shiny purples and I wear purple. Yeah. Purple because I was really into prints. Um, and, uh, what else did I do? Um, 
I feel like I never got into the trend. You know, like the 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 shirts that were like uh, they they were like the size of like you could put it on a teddy bear and then you stretched it out. Yeah, and it the was baby like doll shirt. those weird. Yeah, but it was like those weird like. Oh, shirts. not the baby doll ones, but like the scrunchy ones. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Never had one of those. Um, proudly can say that. Um, <laughs> I had a zillion butterfly clips, um, and yes. I got made fun of in middle school because butterfly clips were no longer in, and I did my hair like Lizzie oh McGuire, or where I did like the pom-pom things and stuff, and I like was not allowed to have a straightener as a child, and I have very wavy hair, and I was not allowed to have like, there's a lot of things I just wasn't allowed to have, you know, going back to the whole, I'm not close yeah. to my, my, my family thing. Um, yeah. so I looked like just trash garbage all the time I just looked messy constantly um and yeah, love it so wasn't allowed much. to pluck my eyebrows wasn't allowed to like do anything like but I um and then I had braces pretty much all through high school so I was just a hot mess yeah I um where was I going with that oh my gosh but yeah so I did my hair like that and this girl that I'm like no like I'm not friends with her um well I mean we're friends with each other on Facebook now because it doesn't matter anymore she was like <laughs> she was like, why would you do that? And I got so mad at her. I threw a pencil at her, but she had a back brace. And so the pencil ricocheted off the back brace and then hit me in the face. And I cried. That is so and it was awful. seventh grade. I was like, I was like, I'm thinking in my head and like, I, to my listeners, I'm going to say something rather offensive and then follow it up with like, I'll, I'll finish the story there. But she like, why are you casting shade at my butterfly clips when you have a back brace and scoliosis? Like, <laughs> like it's middle school like that's she the only thing she, she ended up having school. back surgery and she's doing awesome and she's actually a, a mom now and she's a really great person and so like I don't know why she and I hated each other in middle school but <laughs> it's because it's middle school like everybody hates each other I know no but the only two things I will refuse to back I obviously tribal tattoos like I don't acknowledge those as part of the early thousands Mm -mm. um but also I don't like the only like trend trend is I hate thin brows I hate really like the thin tweeds like oh my gosh, pencil yeah. thick brows I love like really big thick bushy brows that's the it's one thing that I feel like I feel like eyebrows have made a comeback in the last like five years because yeah. I look at old photos of myself like in college and high school and all of that because I, I graduated college or graduated high school in 2007 and then I graduated college in 2010 and my friend sent me on a trip down memory lane like <laughs> I can actually share my screen with you and show you these photos and you'd be like that is not you that like <laughs> um but I you can't like my eyebrows were like so tweezed and, and like, I, I didn't use any blonde and I, and, and I'm naturally pretty light skinned and blonde and I was tanning, like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> like I was just like, I'm going to be a banana peel. And like, um, and I would use like bronzer and like uh, the bronzer puff. I didn't own any makeup brushes cause I did never knew how to do my makeup to this day. I, I still yeah, don't. No one even used beauty blenders back then. <laughs> and I would just take a, take a puff of the, the bronzer that's orange and just put it <laughs> like Pikachu on both sides of my face <laughs> and then go to a frat party and be like, I look great. It's literally like, it's because like, <laughs> like everyone looks back on it. And I'm like, you guys, like this was a time when just like, like there were no rules. Like you just did whatever you want. And if some celebrity like did, did something weird, they, it was like revolutionary. Right. But like my biggest thing is when people like it started in the nineties, like, I'm, I'm really picky about this. My best friend and I have play bunny tattoos mm -hmm. together because we both are like fanatics of the early thousands. The only thing too, 
Gwen Stefani did it before literally yeah. every other girl in the 90s and no doubt and it really grinds my gears when I was like uh, going on about how like I not like I was sheltered from celebrity culture as a kid I just didn't care and that's not what my like my mom was into and I'm really close with my mom so like whatever she liked I liked and so I love Gwen Stefani mm-hmm. and I'm also from Anaheim so like I just have that connection with her mm-hmm. not like actually but when people talk about how like Paris and Britney did it first and they're the original like influencer girls and like they're they're the poster childs for like blonde white influencer celebrities I'm like no Gwen Stefani did it first she did it cooler because she's just cooler she did it all in the late 90s and then when No Doubt stopped and she went on her solo career nobody cared because it was no doubt and that's the only thing people cared about and then Paris and Brittany were like oh like Gwen did it and she's not anymore so we're gonna do it and then it popped off like yeah yeah um, celebrities owe their celebrityness to Gwen Stefani <laughs> I think that like that's a lot to be said of like you know kind of people that you identify with or the, those that like really just march to the beat of their own drum yeah um I think and I think that's a lot to be said and I agree with you Gwen is the OG she's the original I mean she rocked adult braces on the red carpet she wore whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. she wanted and she looked great she had pink hair before it was cool exactly and then she had like the rooted blonde hair before it was cool she had just like the really like PC wispy like pigtails Mm -hmm. she did it all before everyone else did and because she did it in the 90s, no one wants to acknowledge it. Because people, when people think of the 90s, they only think of Nirvana. Yeah. Yeah, when I, I think of, when I think of the 90s, because I'm a child of the 90s and I grew up in the 90s, I, when I think of the 90s, I kind of feel like, um, I mean, for me, it's boy bands and Dunkaroos and Nickelodeon and Rugrats and, uh, and, you know, Disney movies coming out that I was really excited for. Yeah. And, and like, that's kind of like my childhood frame of reference is I remember all of these nostalgic things. Um, but I didn't really grow up like listening to music and I wasn't really into celebrity culture because I didn't have cable till I was 10. So I had mm-hmm. like, I, and then my only frame of reference for pop culture was my sister's 17 magazines that I would steal and read <laughs> and then put them back in her room. Yeah. Cause I was no, like, like trying to figure it out. Yeah, I was, like, the same way, because, like, it's so funny, because, like, being in college now, like, I'm with people who are in every age group that's not mm-hmm. mine, and one of my, one of the girls, I'm, like, I, I, we're, like, really great friends, she was in, like, her teen years in, like, the early thousands, mm-hmm. whereas, like, I was, I was a little baby, and so I'll be, like, she'll talk about, like, bands like Evanescence and Flyleaf and, like, the, like, alternative bands of that time. And I'll be like, oh, my God, I listened to them in, like, first grade. And she's like, I was listening to them when I was a freshman in high school. <laughs> or, or, like, other people who, like, my biggest, like, my biggest inspirations, like, when I talk about, like, my not being into, like, the same celebrity culture in, like, drag spaces is, like, for me, it's, like, Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, and, like, every 80s glam rock band that existed. So, like, Guns N' Roses, Motley Crue, like, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, being when it talk about, like, things from your childhood with, like, people at, like, my college, for example, and I'm like, yeah, like, I grew up at, with, like, Motley Crue, and my first concert was Bon Jovi, and everyone my age are like, who are those people? And everyone <laughs> who, like, everyone else is like, wow, like, that's crazy. And it was funny because one of my teachers came up to me and she was like, do you know who Nikki Six is? 
<laughs> like the guitarist from my crew and I was like yeah I was like I love him and she goes you remind me of him and then some other one of the other staff members was like I'm surprised you know who that is and I'm like I'm cultured thank you <laughs> I love that okay so not to like date myself or anything but my first concert was in 2004 and it was Prince okay but that's cool yeah it was cool but like, like most people, people most like of my people most people I know they're like my first concert was like Backstreet Boys I was like damn it I oh, wish yeah. mine was Backstreet Boys <laughs> or like in sync I wish I'd seen them I wanted to see Britney Spears now so fucking expensive and I'll yeah, probably I mean, never see a concert again ever again <laughs> yeah what's so funny is one time at work um I was like sell- I was talking to the- these two customers and they're talking about like bands and stuff and they asked me they were like oh do you have like this t-shirt and they were describing it to me like they were like you probably don't know who it is and I was like I know who that band is it was some like 70s rock band mm-hmm. and we were talking about concerts so I was like yeah like I'm ashamed to tell people my age who my first concert is and they're like who and I was like Bon Jovi and they're like that's so cool I would have loved for Bon Jovi to be my first concert they're like don't like why do you like don't people aren't people jealous and I was like most people my age don't even know who that is and then oh, when yeah. I tell them they're like you're lame like wow <laughs> yeah I think like there's a lot to be said I, I, it's always good to like decade hop and like really like learn things when I was growing up VH1 had I love the 60s I love the 70s I love the 80s I love the 90s and I love the 2000s during 2000s yeah so that is kind of where I learned a lot more about things I wouldn't have known about and I feel it like it really lent itself well to my bar trivia knowledge because I know the yeah. most random crap <laughs> I just like well, yeah it was just it was just like my I watched MTV with my mom as a kid and this was in the early thousands so it was still like when MTV was like music based and like now as an adult I'm like one I'm glad you let me do it because I'm feel like I I know more about like music culture than most people my age but I'm like also but why were you letting me watch these kinds of music videos mom like this is inappropriate <laughs> but, yeah, I know it's really interesting to see too, like when you decade hop, decade hop, and then you see like all these styles from like the sixties, seventies, and eighties are now coming in trend again. Mm-hmm. And it's like people are just now discovering like who Fleetwood Mac is and like Janis Joplin. And I was like, I like I idolized these people since I was like five. Yeah, yeah, that makes a hundred percent sense. But I think like you know, it's 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 best to be interested in the things that we like, and we like them because we like them and we appreciate them. And the longer the the more you can give life to those artists, the longer they'll stick around and they'll still be so iconic. Yeah, yeah. It was just like Stevie Nicks like just got her induction into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, like last year, and I was like, should have happened a while ago. But I'm like, I'm glad she's still relevant enough to where they thought about her. <laughs> awesome. Well, I think we've touched on imposter syndrome, the things we love and don't love, and kind of, you know, what's making us feel good right now in the world and all of that. So um, we're coming to the end. Um, do you have anything that you would like to promote? I guess because we talked about it, I say it like I wasn't planning on it. Once the quarantine is over, I'm going to make it a point stop for, start performing again. And so if y'all want to see that, I've also been posting a lot more on that account is my drag account. It's at Nikki Hex, but spelled like N-Y-K-K-Y because mm-hmm. I'm a psychopath. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. People always will ask me like, so what's your like real name? And I'm like, it's the same thing. And then I was like Hex because I love the Hex girls from Scooby-Doo. And then <laughs> as far as like career stuff wise, like being a makeup artist, 
that is under Nick's artistry, but spelled N-Y-K-S mm-hmm. artistry, because that's like the nickname I have at school is Nick's, but obviously branding. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Those are the biggest things. So for my listeners, um, as always, all of those links will be in the description. So you can just give her a follow, um, support, and, you know, watch her. I'm going to say her because I'm referring to you in drag, her journey. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just, you know, follow along. And I'm honestly a great, you know, you're a great person to know. And it's crazy. We just, we met in line for a dang grilled cheese and tater tots. I know. And like, can you imagine? Yeah. Sorry. The only reason why I was in that line is because I was a vegetarian. I'm vegan now, but at that time I was a vegetarian. (laughs) That was the only line that had food I could eat. got that. And it was like in the sun. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, like it was like an 85 degrees. Yeah. And it was like, it was 85 degrees. It was on the top of the convention center is like pavement like their parking structure and there was like no cloud cover because it's LA yeah <laughs> and it, you could just feel like you could feel yourself dying like and I, can't I even remember if that grilled cheese was worth it I don't even remember if it was good I was gonna say that I don't remember if it was good um and I remember that like like, like my friend, my, like I, like my best friend and I, we couldn't be more opposite. Like I'm a person that loves day drinking and she's like a person that's like, <laughs> nah, like, so I was, cause we Ubered there. I was down to be like champagne drunk the entire day and just yeah. buy whatever the fuck I wanted with my, you know, with my income. And, uh, and, and I, and she, and she was so overwhelmed because it was so overstimulating for her that she was like, oh, I can't handle this this time. So, I mean, I, and I love her. We made it through and, but we were, it was like a roller coaster because like she'd start to feel better and then I'd start to feel shitty and then she'd start to feel better. And I would again, start to feel shitty or she'd start to feel shitty. Um, and, uh, it was a crazy day. Uh, I, I mean, it was just so nuts. I mean, I ended up meeting Carson Cressley. I, uh, which was insane. He took a selfie with me. I met Trinity the Tuck. I mean, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. DragCon for me could only do one day. Like, can't do more. Oh, it's too much. I'm mad because so my best friend goes to DragCon every year. That was my first DragCon. Yeah. And we were gonna go all three days, but because of like something like work or something, we went out there Friday night, and we were like Saturday and Sunday, and we got there like hours before each day. Like, had a game plan for everything, and I remember my fa- my all time favorite queen. Is adore, like from Drag Race is Adore Delano. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I also love Cameron Michaels so like so much. And that was when season 10 like was coming out. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm the biggest Cameron Michaels fan. And it wasn't until the end of the first day that I got to meet her. And literally after that, like after I met her, like I was just quiet and like my whole body just like turned off afterwards. You were like, you were like, like, this was everything I had. <laughs> yeah. And like, Chloe was like, are you okay? Like, do you want to go back to the hotel? And I was like, I just, I just met Cameron Michaels. I feel amazing. What are you talking about? You were like, like, nothing's going to compare now. Trinity. Yeah. And, yeah I'll, I'll keep going. I was like, and then like for a door, like I literally waited in line for six hours to meet a door to Lano. Wow. Like entirely worth it. She signed my body. It was like the best experience of my life. But like, yeah, DragCon is insane. But yeah. I wouldn't want it to be any other way. No, I would do VIP. I think I think I would splurge and I would do oh, VIP the next year, 1, the next time I go because you have a shorter line and uh, I didn't. It's not even that much of a dollar difference. You just have to buy a three day ticket if you're gonna go yeah. more than one day. It makes sense. But um, 
when I waited in line for Trinity, I think I waited in line like 45 minutes to an hour, which isn't too bad because I was towards the front of the line. Um, I got in there, my brain turned off. It was like, you know, a Christmas story when like he's, yeah, he, if you've seen the movie, a Christmas story. Yeah. And he's in line to see Santa. I'm not that much of a No, I just, I'm just curious. No, I'm just curious. Cause like, cause like, I don't know. I bet, but like he's in line to see Santa and he wants to ask for the BB gun, but instead he asks for a football because his brain turns off. That was me. I was like, Oh my God. And she grabbed my hands and she screamed Malibu baby. And I (laughs) was like, Okay, a, like, fo- a football. Into, like, a football. <laughs> She's like, "Want to hold my scepter?" And I was like, "Yes." <laughs> and I was so. It was just such a good experience. Um, I know. Yeah, but I loved yeah. it. Oh my yeah, gosh, like, we could talk for a million hours, you and I. Yeah, like with the door, though. Like with the door, like I, like I was like, sh- like visibly shaking, and like I hugged her, and she was like, "I can feel your heartbeat, like <laughs> just from hugging you." And I was like, "You don't understand, like how much this means to me." And then, like after I met her, I would like. I was waiting for like my friends in line. I was crying, like tears Aww. coming down my eyes. And her mom like gave me tissues. That's so sweet. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. Well, my beautiful Nikki, uh, I think we have come to the end. Do you have any parting words for my listeners? Oh my God, this is so much pressure. <laughs> I don't even know. Don't put me on the spot. <laughs> Take advantage of the lockdown. Do everything that you wanted to do that you couldn't do before that you can do now and just do it because it'll make you feel better. I love that. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today and every day. You are a blessing and a gift. Um, To my listeners, you have listened to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. As always, I post all of the links so that you can get in touch with my guest, Nikki, um, and go ahead and follow her. Um, Well, thank you so much, Nikki. Thank you. It really means a lot that you thought to have me on here. Like, it really does. Aw, well, of course. I think your story is important and valid, and I'm glad to share it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. All right. We'll talk later. Bye. Bye. While we're celebrating drag and drag culture, um, I also want to point out that Shea Coulee is a Black drag queen. And I don't want to invalidate the movement of Black Lives Matter by any means, as we should definitely be keeping a lens on what's happening in this country and equality for all. So I'm definitely going to, just like last time, include a link in the description of how you can give back. Your donations and support mean a lot towards this movement. And if Black lives do not matter, then neither do all. As I've said many, many times on this podcast, um, I am an advocate, an ally, and I want equality for all. And that begins with this momentum. So yes, perhaps we're going to celebrate drag real quick, but don't forget I'm still keeping an eye on the movement. And so I just wanted to plug that in here. Um, And yeah. Thank you for listening to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a little rating. And if you're interested in becoming a guest, please reach out to me by using one of the links to the podcast social media in the description. Thanks, everyone, and have a great day.